Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, Simplifying Concepts Without Sacrificing Depth. And I got the chance to sit down with my friend Ray Russell and talk about weather. I've always wanted to ask him some of these questions because if I'm honest, I didn't really understand what weather is. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that I've always wanted to talk to him about. When I moved to Boone in 2008, one of the first things that I remember someone saying to me was, are you privy to raise weather yet? And I had no idea what they were talking about. You know, if you want to go find out the weather, you go to Weather Channel or Weather.com or something or the weather app on your phone. And it took me, you know, a few months of living in this area to figure out that, you know, raised weather has things dialed in a little bit better than a national company does. And I really had no idea how in-depth it all is. And I think it went really well, sat down in his office and and just talked about how in the world they figure that stuff out, what weather is, how they forecast weather and why it matters. And I, I really do think that it matters way more than I would have originally thought before having that conversation with him. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. And I just want to give a quick thanks to those of you that support the podcast through Patreon. So thank you so much for whether it's a, a dollar a month that you give or $5 a month or whatever it is. You're helping to make this podcast possible. You're helping me to be able to get equipment, to be able to travel and interview people that don't necessarily live in this community, uh, to host a website, to pay for those kinds of things, as well as to save up for uh, some video teaching shorts that I'm making. I am mm, halfway done with one. Got some video footage that I'm paying a professional photog uh, videographer and editor. Got some video footage and working on getting to the point where I can sit down and do the teaching part and then he'll edit it and I'm excited about that and it involves a mulberry tree and I'll give you a quick little teaser. We used to live at this farmhouse in Ash County in the West Jefferson area and there was this mulberry tree that produced thousands and thousands and thousands of mulberries. It was absurd. It was like, it was way more than you can imagine. And you might not be able to imagine at all because if you're like me, you might not even really know how to picture a mulberry tree. It's not a mulberry bush. It's a mulberry tree. It's a huge tree full of mulberries. And mulberries are kind of like raspberries or blackberries. A little bit more like blackberries, but skinnier, a little bit longer slightly different texture, but picture kind of a skinnier, slightly longer blackberry. And there was some stuff that was distinct about this tree that always stuck with me. It had been struck by lightning way before my time. So much so that it was very obvious gash in the middle of the tree. You could almost, if you're a child, you could get inside of that big opening, open wound of the tree so significant that you'd think the tree might be dead, but in fact, it was the opposite. It was producing significant amount of fruit. So after pondering that for a really long time and doing some research about mulberry trees, 
I wanted to come up with a teaching short about it based kind of personifying a tree, kind of learning a life lesson from a tree. I guess you could call it a parable. So be on the lookout for that. And I hope you enjoy that. But I hope you like listening to this conversation with Ray. I think it's helpful and hope you enjoy. Thanks for the coffee. I got my snowman ometer. That's it. Which is, this is for the golfing, right? So many years ago, one day I decided to rate snowstorms with a snowmanometer. And um, my family was so unimpressed with the idea. <laughs> I, I went running into the living room. I had a little bit of artwork that I'd done. and showed him. I said, everybody's going to love this. And I go, yeah, right, right. And um, mm -hmm. so anyway, but, and then every once in a while when they pan an idea I have, I said, you remember how you didn't think anybody would care about the snowman model? Yeah. Anyway, so it yeah, works. we made mugs out of it and t-shirts yeah. and all kinds of things. So you got this and then you've got the, the golf balls. Right. Explain, the, golf explain the golf, the golf -a meter. So when all of this started, it was really just a hobby, and I, um, I, I played quite a bit of golf back then. Okay. never was a great golfer, but I was a good golfer. And, um, and so I, one of my, actually it was an idea of one of my students at, at App State. So after class one day, this, this guy came up to me and said, Dr. Russell, I've got this great idea. You should rate the days by golf balls. You should you should put so many golf balls in and rate the days. I said, that is a good idea. I'll call it the golf meter and, and we'll go from zero to five right. and um, and we'll put the golf meter out there. So we did that. So we have the golf meter and the snowmanometer and and um, and yeah, they like kind of live. Now actually, you know, we're, this week, Merle Fest happened, uh -huh. so we turned the uh, golfometer into the raccoonometer uh -huh. uh, in nice. honor of Merle Fest this week. So, I think uh, that the golf ball thing makes sense in particular in this community because, I mean, I know people play golf other places, but they might think in terms of either, it's either going to rain or it's not. And Boone, or this high country, is m much more complicated than that. This is a really, for lack of a better word, a weird place when it comes to weather. And so I want to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. But I want to, I want to hear about you and your background. I want to hear about other things you do, not just weather. But can we start with the most primitive question there is? If Can you explain what weather is? What, what weather does that is? even mean? Like, what is weather? Um, it's, it's processes that occur in the atmosphere that produce you know, pressure, um, temperature, which is indirectly mm -hmm. related to pressure, um, uh, precipitation, condensation, clouds, wind, um, and other processes. Of course, it 
happens in three dimensions, even though we experience it pretty much in one, in two dimensions. Uh, but, you know, weather happens above us and we just get the result of that um, on the surface. And um, so it's all of that together. It is, it is one of the most multidisciplinary fields of study I've ever been a part of. I mean, it involves geography, uh-huh. chemistry, uh, physics, um, psychology, you know, and once you start putting it, putting it out for people, it involves creativity and writing and graphics yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and computer science. I, I did a computer science presentation at the AMS conference several years ago, and I would when I went to the AMS conference for the first time, probably 40% of that is computer science. I, I would, How about that? I think it's, you know, um, one of the first uses ever of a computer way back in the days of the ENIAC, which was one of the very first computers, was weather forecasting. How now, that's that? a very primitive yeah. kind of setting, but the, the value of putting in current conditions and then having yeah. a dynamic model of how that will change over time has been, that idea has existed since the 40s and 50s, and so the ENIAC did get used at least a little bit for weather forecasting. And, and some of the biggest consumers and uh, producers of information in the world are um, organizations, usually governments, that produce these big, huge weather models. So, um, so all of that together yeah. is what I would call weather. Um, wow. It's a complex thing. Which really leads to the question, in my mind, one of the most obvious next questions is why you got into this or how you got into this, which I've heard some of this story already, but I'd love for you to just retell. Well, when I was 10 years old, if you'd have asked me, what what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said, I want to be a meteorologist. How about that? And um, I bought at age 10 every book I could on meteorology, read everything I could understand at age 10 and, and um, got in, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Well, one thing led to another, and I ended up doing other things, most notably career-wise, computer science. Which, by the way, congratulations on retiring. Thank you. How many years as a professor? So, I I started when I was seven, I think, uh, but I I taught college-level computer science for 42 years, Mm -hmm. and uh, I did start really straight out of college, so it yeah, you know, I'm not that old. Well, but congratulations, um, man. But thank you, and I've yeah. been at App State. I've been at App yeah. State for 30 years, so mm-hmm. I, I did talk computer science here for 30 years. But um, So as but, a kid, you wanted to be a meteorologist? Yeah, and there is kind of a an interesting slash sad story in that. I'll try to make it really quick. Um, the most famous person in Middle Tennessee where I grew up, grew up was was a Nashville meteorologist named Bob Lobertini. If you have any old Tennessee listeners, they might remember Bob Lobertini. He he was, I think, he was either the NBC or CBS affiliate. I can't remember which one. And he was a god in Middle Tennessee. I mean, 
he would he'd do his forecast and he I remember I worked at a grocery store when I when as, as soon as I could work mm -hmm. and um, the grocery store chain where I worked they printed up a little I don't know it was just a tiny little thing and folded up it would be about one inch by two inches okay and it was a winter forecast so for every day of the winter it would say either cold or snow or warm or rain or something like that and of course a few times every winter, it would happen the way he said it would, you know, Got on this it. printed yeah. thing, and they'd make a big celebration <laughs> out of it, Bob Lobertini. Well, he was so big in Middle Tennessee that he got promoted to this big, high salary job in Los Angeles at uh -huh. one of the biggest... Well, evidently, Where Los the weather's the same every day. Well, weather's not a big deal <laughs> in Los Angeles. You can only say... It's going to be in the upper 70s or low 80s and dry. With a slight breeze. So, yeah, with a slight breeze. And there's just nothing to it. And he totally flopped out there. Really? And, and, and this is a true, what I'm about to say is a true story. So he eventually, he became an alcoholic. And he got, the only place he could get hired again, he lost his job out there and he came back to Nashville because they loved him in Nashville. When he came back just a few years later, he was a shell of the man that he was when he left. And um, it didn't go well, and he died of liver disease. Oh. <laughs> and, and, um, but, you know, when, all, when I was 10, 10 to 16 years old during those years, he was the biggest thing. So he was... So him in his prime before he went out west to the California and... That, and, when you got it, him at a younger age, when he was in Tennessee, that's right. he inspired you. Yeah, that, I thought that was really cool. But your version of becoming a meteorologist ended up being the internet instead of a television station. Right. So I, so in the in the nineties, the internet was happening, yeah. but most people didn't have access to the internet, didn't know what it was, yeah. but computer scientists did. Right. And weather stuff started showing up on the internet. And um, one day I was at App State in one of my colleagues' office, in, in a colleague's office, and we looked outside and it's winds blowing 40 miles an hour. It's, you know, kind of one of those kind of whiteout days where sideways snow's flying. It's 20 degrees and you can't hardly see across the parking lot and um, <laughs> we pulled up on the internet uh, mm -hmm. the forecast and it said partly sunny and 40 and I looked at him and I said James you know we're smart people we could figure this out <laughs> right and we could at least produce a forecast that's that good <laughs> right <laughs> and and we laughed and i went and bought college textbooks and started reading college textbooks and self-trained myself and and had some connections between computer science and and that like i mentioned i yeah i did a presentation at the ams conference um, yeah. um several years ago and um and so it became a hobby. My wife gave me a weather station as a Christmas present. And what does that mean? I remember you telling me that last time we hung out. What is a weather station? So, so uh, 
my wife was teaching in Banner Elk, just to kind of background on uh -huh. this and kind of explain. And there was a guy who owned a seafood shop in Banner Elk who okay. had a sign out that said, we sell weather stations. <laughs> And and she didn't know <laughs> two things you would not see coming. So in one place. it was it was coming up. You know, I had this weather forecast that I was putting out on my university website as just a hobby, and she walked in there one day to check on it. It cost about a thousand dollars, you know, something like that, and it measured temperature, humidity, wind, wind direction, wind speed, wind direction. And um, uh, what am I leaving out? Uh, rain, rain precipitation. I'm picturing an antenna or something. Is that it's, what? It's the size of a bread box, you okay. know. Okay. And they've gotten they've they've gotten more sophisticated, mostly in terms yeah. of the internet technology that yeah. gets built into them. And um, but yeah, she went, and at the time they got a local supplement around Christmas time. They didn't call it Christmas bonus, you know. Uh -huh. But but she took her Christmas bonus yeah. and um, from teaching and went and bought that as a as a as a Christmas present in 1998. Awesome. It it was now they're pretty much wireless. You don't have to run wires everywhere. And, but then it was all wired, so I set it up outside, had wires running into the house and all over the back of the house, and she couldn't complain because she'd given it to me, and um, got it plugged in. And then I realized this company sold uh, an interface piece where you could plug it into your computer and upload it to a website. So by the fall of 99, I had it uploading live weather data to my hobby website at the university and then raise what and then it yeah. just kind of that's exploded the in the yeah. in, your yeah. name is ray and you were doing weather so that's the beginning of ray's weather right yeah there. even though we didn't call it that then it right. was just it was just out there and yeah and um people picked up on it and it just kind of took off in february of 2000 and then ray's weather was really born in the summer of 2000 it was clear I had needed to get it off of the university stuff. Oh, it was yeah. now not a hobby. It was, it was, you know, we had, we got three advertisers. I, nobody knew what internet advertising was sure. then, but we got three advertisers, and um, and we were off and, and going. I had some, and now you have lots of advertisers, and you have now Ray's Weather is. In my opinion, I'm not just saying this because we're friends. I think it's the staple place to go to figure out the weather in the area. You can go to weather.com. Nothing against it or anything, but but this is local and it's you know it's going to be more accurate most of the time. And but it's funny to me that this this staple place that true locals know to go to started with Rhonda bought a weather station from a seafood joint. <laughs> yeah. That is so amazing that, to me. That, that, is, <laughs> that is the way it all happened. You, you, and thank you for that. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the best descriptions that I've ever been given of what happened with Ray's weather is a friend of mine who uh, once said, he said, you know, I moved here, and um, somebody told me, he said, you know, 
back in rural America, way back when, you know, folks would gather at the feed store around the the, the um, um, log um, stove right. and oh, uh, yeah. chew, chew the cud, and uh -huh. you know, everybody. Folks would go there, farmers would go there, because if you didn't know what was being talked about yeah. or at the feed store around the fire, uh, you didn't really know what was going on in town. He said, Ray's Weather is our, our local that sounds fire about right stop to me. and feed yeah. store. That's that's where you you go if you want to know what's going on in town. That's great. <laughs> that's I love a it. Great, that is a great compliment. What a compliment, and yeah. I, so how, how let's go back to... I'm guessing the essence of what a weather station reads is how you use that information. Because I think the follow-up that I have is, okay, we kind of know what weather is now, but how would how would you ever predict that? So you, in layman's terms, how in the world do we how do you or people predict what's going to happen? So we have now about 80 weather stations scattered from really? from Withful, Virginia to Waynesville, North Carolina. Okay and 40 to 50 webcams, something like that. One recently you know, struck by lightning, you told right. me. Right. And they're <laughs> so and I find that ironically, or not ironic, it's very fitting. Well, I should <laughs> tell you the demise of that first weather station is it got struck by okay. lightning. Okay, sort of inevitable. I picked it up. It was in pieces all over the yard. Insurance paid for the replacement. How so about it, that? Anyway, so, <laughs> but um, we, we've got all of that. But really, when it comes to forecasting, and okay. those are important to let us know what's going on right now. Okay. But for forecasting, that work is done um, through computer modeling and not computer modeling that we do. We do have, we do take computer data and produce for ourselves some, some um, localized graphics. But these... The computer models are run out of some of the biggest organizations in the world. I mean, usually governments. Uh, Euro European uh, Common Market has a big model. U.S. has one major big model but has others. Military, I mean, weather's played a huge role in military forever. And um, so the military has a lot of modeling that I can't get access to. Um, uh, the UK has one, C Canada, Japan, you name it. You know, there are all these big models are out there. So the biggest piece of magic in it all, and by the way, those are run on some of the biggest computers in the world. I mean, imagine plotting the whole globe on a two-kilometer grid at the surface. But, of course, weather doesn't happen at the surface. Weather happens in three dimensions, so you have to go vertically as well up, you know, as, as far as five or six miles, you know, maybe more um, into the atmosphere and imagine all the data points yeah. that you've got to produce there. I, I, I can't even do that math in my head, mm -hmm. but it's, it is uh, virtually infinite I mean, yeah, in yeah. my brain. Um, so, so they 
ingest on a regular basis, hour by hour, all the weather data they can from across the globe. Because, for instance, this weekend we're going to be affected by a weather system off the Carolina coast. Its origins are right now northeast of the Bahamas. Um, you know, uh, there's stuff coming at us from Canada right now. None of that's going to reach us. But, but you, you know, computer models have to take a global approach. And um, there are some regional models, but they're only good for a handful of days or a few days, maybe just one to two days. Um, and and so all that data comes in across the globe. I mean, it's, it's land weather stations, it's satellite balloons, it's buoys in the ocean, it's so aircraft. Will, you know, some aircraft, even commercial aircraft, will um, sample weather data, you know, regularly on their routes. Um, satellite imagery that gives you approximations of weather data. All of that comes into these systems. There's one clearinghouse, then the computer models grab that, and then, and that's a massive amount of data. And then that's distributed out, then they take it through incredibly complex computations, because all that has to be then run minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day across time. And those models will run some models will run, you know, say 24 to 36 hours out. Some will run three to four days. Some will run seven to 10 days. And some will run out, you know, a month or two. Now, obviously, wow. the farther you get in time, the less, less accuracy or the less accuracy and and you're really just dealing in generalities. For example, yeah. um, two months ago, we're, we assist Merle Fest with forecasting. So two months ago, you know, basically what we could tell them that there is about equal likelihood of it being wetter or, or drier than average uh -huh. and higher than normal chances of it being warmer than average. So, and that's pretty much gonna play out. So sure. we can give generalities and we can kind of know in time frames, like we knew we were gonna go through a really active hurricane phase okay. and then it would kind of settle a little bit. We'll probably go back into a more active phase. Still uh, this a, fall. In a little bit. Mm. Um, even though, even our, even the the settled phases, we've got one name system in the well in East Texas today, uh, and another one. There's two others kind of brewing out there that okay. that could become name system. But all of that works together, and really, our work is on the computer in the mornings and at noon and mm -hmm. in the evenings when we're producing forecast. And, and it's not just Ray, by the way. There, sure. are, there are six meteorologists. We're two of us are in Boone. Otherwise, we're kind of scattered across okay. the southeast. So this morning at 5 o'clock, 
I was up and our chief meteorologist was up and he and I were, were had a chat session going and the two of us spent two hours. He had already spent an hour or two the night before and we produced the forecast then for the region from, from that. So it, on an average day, the morning forecast takes about hmm, five to six person hours. Mm -hmm. uh, the noon update normally takes about one person hour, evening update and a person hour in there. If we've got really active weather going on, we put more bodies on it. There's so much, there's so much to what you just shared. I mean, weather balloons and airplanes and buoys and weather stations, all to try to figure out what might happen. Can we talk about why we even bother trying to figure out what might happen? If it's gonna happen anyway and we can't control the weather, well, maybe we can, I don't know, we can talk about that hypothetically, but assuming for now you can't drastically change what's gonna happen, can we give some examples of why it's beneficial for us to know what might happen? So, I mean, the primary, the primary motivation originally was um, for planning and safety. And, and I think it's safe to say that that's still, those are still the primary things. I mean, mm -hmm. big storms happen. If we can give people lead time, preparation time. Protect their homes, evacuate, et cetera. That's right. And, and lives are saved. I yes. mean, like if we had modern meteorology before the Galveston hurricane, I yeah. don't know, what was it? Thousands of people died there. If they would have known it's coming. They yeah. would have known, could have gotten out of the way. And, and, and um, you know, the, the, the storm Ida probably was as big or bigger than that the Galveston hurricane and was it 10 or 12 people who died? I don't know, I don't know the exact number sure. in Louisiana. In fact, some died. All but without any knowledge York. of it coming, it almost certainly would have been That's more right. people. Yeah. And, and the same thing with other types of storms like tornadoes, snow, et cetera. Um, one of the first events that ever happened to me that let me know how important what I was doing beyond just having fun doing weather was I was giving a talk to one of the local a local civic organization and um, it, this was not in Boone so it can be anonymous but the head of the hospital the CEO of the hospital there um, said Ray you know that we do our strategic planning for personnel and severe weather off of your forecast and I like Man. A lot of pressure. So emergency room, you know, how many people are going to have in the building and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, we were, I was very quickly, you know, involved in school decisions and um, um, I, so don't, explain I the don't make those thing. decisions, but I try to. Is it because if the weather's more drastic, there will be a likelihood of more injuries? Is that what you're saying? That and just getting personnel in oh, and how just, many they yeah, need. Okay. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, people are making decisions. I mean, if you own a coffee shop, yeah, you know, you know pretty quickly that weather is going to impact your sales. You know, and um, so plan accordingly. So yeah, so buying supplies planning, and staffing. Yeah, you know, if you're if you own a restaurant, 
and there's a big storm coming. You got to do your perishable orders probably three days in advance, something like that. So, and and it's not like you're going to recoup those losses if you don't if yeah. if people can't get there. Right. So this is sell. major financial so it is, implications. It, it has planning financial implications for everybody, um, but also the, the you know I think it's safe to say the more important. You know, yeah, it's hard um, to say that. Kind the of. the planning is more pervasive, I guess, but you know, obviously, saving lives is an important, uh, yeah, important yeah. thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm a storyteller. You can, <laughs> so this is a true story. I'm not making this up. So one year, you remember, I don't, we, Boone was hit with a massive ice storm Christmas of what was it 2008 nine one of those years I can't remember off the top of my sounds head. right was it the same winter that there was like a hundred inches of snow or no well no okay to, so. the we just on Christmas Day we were hit with just a massive crippling ice storm on Christmas Day yeah I remember and I wanted to say nine or ten but maybe I'm wrong but I don't I remember what you're talking 10, about but okay I, it, yeah I, re I remember I was not in Boone when it happened. Yeah. I was forecasting from Williamsburg, Virginia that that okay. particular morning. And I'm watching all the weather stations go down because from the power outages. But um, so I, I, we got a letter, a long letter from, from someone and said, you saved my husband's life. I said, that's gotta be an exaggeration, but here's the story. So mm -hmm. they were going to a uh, Christmas Eve musical program. Weather was fine. There was nothing going on. And her husband started having chest pain. And she, as she described it, she ha he hated going to the doctor. He hated going to hospitals. He just, sure. he yeah. just avoided it at all costs. And they were coming home, and she could tell he was in pain. And... Um, she said, you know, they're saying there's an ice storm tomorrow, and if we get home and there's ice, I can't get you to the hospital. I won't be able to get you there. Now, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And she said, finally, she said, listen, Ray said there's going to be a massive ice storm. So it's now or we and can't get And he turned there. the car to the hospital, and they went to the hospital. Sure enough, he was having, he was having a heart attack had to be airlifted for open heart surgery and all Before that. Before the ice storm. But, but, the, but the thing she said was, if he didn't believe you, right. I would have never gotten him right. to the hospital, and he would have died. I have no doubt in my mind. Right. So, I mean, you know, I mean, and we miss forecasts too. I mean, no yeah. one who's in the business of looking into the future gets it right every time whether you're an economist or a psychologist whatever it is whatever. but but i'm guessing based on how extreme the the numbers would have to be or whatever all the readings for ice you probably wouldn't completely miss that coming we uh, w our forecast that day was more dire than any other forecast you could have read for Christmas. So there day. would have been so, other ones that didn't really well, realize. Well, everybody it was would hit. have had ice in there. Okay, but, yeah, but, yeah. But um, we had been worrying about it for a couple of days, and we'd made a pretty big deal over it. And and that's one of the things that we do our best not to do is not to oversell any event. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. always 
crying, the sky's falling, people aren't going to listen. And, um, you know, yeah. and, and we try not to over-dramatize over uh -huh. events. Um, you know, an inch or two of snow shouldn't be that big Not in the mountains, in it shouldn't be. Boone, North yeah. Carolina. <laughs> You know, 10 inches is a big deal. Uh -huh. Even six inches is a yeah, pretty big deal. Yeah, it's going to alter deal. things, yeah. But, but um, you know, and... That's why I like with the golf balls. There'll be times that it's cold and even snow, and they'll still be like, there's still a golf ball. Like, you could probably still play if you needed to. <laughs> like, it's not zero. <laughs> I, I have played in the snow. I can tell you my hands still sting. From, you, from you should being... probably use a ball with some color, not a white golf ball, so you can actually see it. it <laughs> Do they sell, like, I'm picturing, like, putt, like, miniature yeah. golf, like... Like a neon green golf ball. And I can tell you, when you hit the green with a good iron shot on a frozen green, it bounces goes past. really far. Right. <laughs> anyway, not that I've ever done that before, but anyway. Um, but, yeah, we and, – and the other thing that we try to do, like particularly snow, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what – snow and ice is what most attention comes to. So – if we say it's going to snow between, let's say, one and four inches, we, what we're trying to do there is that there's going to be somebody that gets one inch of snow and yeah. somebody that gets four. Well, yeah, different and regions, different mountain terrain and elevation. And so if we said one to four and everybody just got one to two, we would call that a miss, even though public perception on that probably yeah you still got matter. it but yeah i know what you mean you know um so it, you know it was in the range but we don't try to oversell the top number and or undersell the bottom number on, on those things so and now here's here's the psychology of it though if we say one to four inches of snow everybody's going to say ray said it's going to snow four inches uh, okay. And once it gets passed around, kind of like the game of gossip a few times, then it becomes six or seven. But, you yeah. know, because... Four is, might as well be five. Yeah, five rounds up it, to it, ten. And it just kind of... <laughs> I, I had been accused of saying all kinds of things that I never said. Sure. So, um, so and, and, and of course, nobody gets it right every time. So that that is a given. Well, um, you can say also Boone is going to get one to four, but if you're up Junaluska higher up, that's almost like a different place. I mean, it is a different place, but it has the same, we it's try, the same town. We try to capture that, you know, yeah. like the normal scenario is, if we've got a northwest flow, if you live east along, say, near the Blue Ridge Parkway, you'll tend to get the lower end of the range. Yeah. If you live west, closer to the North Carolina-Tennessee line, you're going to get tend to get more. And, of course, on average, the higher you are, yeah. the more you're going to get, the lower you are, right. yeah. the less you're going to get. We, that's the other challenge we have as a writing challenge. If, if the forecast were a book to read every day, nobody would read it, right? So we've got to yeah. try to cram all of that <clears throat> into, at most, four or five short paragraphs that they may or may not read they might only look at the picture of the snowman <laughs> which we know they probably don't read and 
You know, and, and that's the reason the forecast kind of comes to people in layers. You got the cinematometer and the golfometer, look at one thing, or temperature yeah. high, low, and, and that's it. If you want to dig a little deeper, you can read the introduction. Yep. If you want to dig a little deeper than that's that, a there's paragraphs. a discussion mm -hmm. down below. So we, that's kind of the way we've staged it. So whatever your level of interest is, yeah. you, you, can, you can dig as far as you want to go. Now, we don't go beyond you know, that discussion for three to, three to five paragraphs. And, you know, and the other thing that we do there is um, there's also an, an, an unpacking or, or an unraveling in layers of complexity, a little more, a little more meteorology in the uh -huh. discussion there than there is in the in terms of maybe, for instance, you know, the term upper level low. I, you know, I, do I use that very often? Not really, but maybe in the discussion section I'll do that. We try to limit the introduction to surface level features, a front, high pressure, center of high pressure, you know. Um, Can you explain some of those terms? Like what is, a, what is a front? So a front, in essence, is a change in wind direction, okay? So the classic presentation of a front is you have... Um, you have a pr area of high pressure to the north, right. and um, and if if your pressure like a balloon, if the pressure's high, air will flow out of a high pressure area, and so it and it will flow into a lower pressure area. Okay, so the front is going to be the area of lower pressure. So air is going to be moving from the high pressure classic presentations to the north and west of here, and then the front is is um, um, the wind. There's usually a wind change at the point of the front because there's probably also a resisting area of high pressure to the southeast that's giving way to this. All these things move over time, and. Um, and so south of the front, there'll tend to be a southwesterly mm -hmm. or southerly airflow on the north side of the front, north or northwesterly airflow. And then you have convergence of that air at the area of low pressure, and that tends to produce precipitation ahead of, behind, and along the front, depending on the exact characterization. So what is the a, what's pressure? I mean, I, I understand the definition of the word in general, but what, is, what does that word mean within the context of weather? So pressure is the density of, of molecules in a space. Oh. <coughs> so, you know, you cram more yeah. molecules in a space, like you take a balloon and you blow yeah. air into it, right? You're cramming more and more air molecules oh, into right. that, you know, oxygen, carbon dioxide. It's a lot of different yeah. types of molecules. So, and and as you put more in there, that, that expands because yeah. you're increasing the pressure in that space. But, but if there isn't a balloon, why is there pressure? Well, I mean, you know, the, there's multiple explanations for yeah. that. That, that ha mostly happens from solar radiation. 
All right. So um, higher temperatures tend to lead to, um, let me make sure I get this right, can hold fewer air molecules and as a whole. Okay. Colder air tends to be more dense. Okay. okay? Yeah, I remember learning that. And, and, and also, air is moved by temperature. So this right. time of year, through the summertime in particular, is the easiest to understand. So we get up in the morning, the air's cooled, and like today I went out around on the on the greenway, it was yeah. a comfortable 58, 59 Perfect. degrees. All right, and um, but then the sun comes up, and the sun heats the surface. It it heats most of the most of the radiation transfer happens in the form of heating the surface, and then the surface radiates heat out of the, out of the ground, out of buildings, and 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 everything. And so it will tend. That's the greenhouse effect. It will yeah. then heat. Um, and that heat will kind of come from the ground up. Uh, and as things heat, the pressure gets lower, it gets lighter, and that air gets lifted up into the atmosphere. So the more parking lots and buildings, we do change the weather. Well, that is that is true. Now, we have to do a lot of that. More, there, yeah. there is a big effect of uh, kind of... Um, a solar radiation center in urban areas, and uh, that does have effect on weather. And yeah. now, does it change it dramatically? Probably not. But but um, um, yeah, you do have effects like that. And and with wind coming around buildings or, or uh, whatever, uh, yeah, like yeah. if you're in 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 New York City or downtown Atlanta, you know, you you go around a, Whips, a building and oh man, all of a sudden you get blown down as you as you go on the other side of the building. So all of those things are um, are happening. Yeah. Um, and so it is dynamic processes, and and you also have this interplay of the poles and the equator and heat and cold okay. you know as you get closer to the equator you have a longer period of daytime right so it oh, heats right. more the poles will have less uh -huh. and they're stay colder and so there's interplay north and sure. south as well and that ends up being uh, at the upper levels of the atmosphere air tends to flow in kind of rivers or streams. Uh -huh. So you hear about the jet stream. And yeah, yeah. There are more, there's more than one jet stream. But, uh -huh. but right. um, there, there are um, classic kinds of, of fairly stable yeah. uh, flows of air that occur at the upper levels of the atmosphere that change across the seasons. Right. Let's talk about Boone distinctly, or okay. at least the high country up here in the mountains. <clears throat> it's different weather up here than just if you just go down 30 minutes down the mountain or That's maybe right. even less. It's just it's like a a little micro world. Right. So I think the average person like myself who doesn't really understand why might say, well, it's higher up. 
And there's probably some truth to that, but that, can you that is it. Can you explain with a little bit more detail of why the heck is the weather so different here okay. than in Lenore or Wilkesboro? Not just that we're higher elevation, so it's going to be colder. It's not just colder, it's weirder. So it's the interplay of pressure, temperature, and and the air will always want to move from higher pressure toward lower pressure. Okay. So so as you go up in elevation, or if you were to get in a plane, go up in altitude, you're getting farther and farther away from the Earth's core, uh -huh. and the gravity has less and less effect, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that indirectly affects pressure. So as you go up in elevation, you have lower air pressure. That just is how it how the planet's made okay mm -hmm. and and that's that's true as as you go up higher and higher and higher in elevation so um, the and also as you have lower pressures your temperatures tend to be cooler all right so on average all right now there's weather patterns yeah, and yeah. wind and all kinds. But if you were to average the whole year, uh -huh. chances are Hickory, Lenore, Wilkesboro, they're going to be 10 degrees warmer on average than, say, Boone. Boone's going to be 8 degrees warmer than, say, the top of Sugar or Beach, Beach Mountain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's all based on elevation. It, a rough estimate is five degrees for every thousand feet. That's not exactly right, but it's good enough sure. for me to do that math in my head. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you, as you move up a thousand feet in elevation, count on an average of five to five degrees in temperature. Now, on a given day, yeah, that knows? may be totally wrong. I mean, yeah. you have temperature inversions, but where, historically, where yeah. it's warmer at the higher yeah. elevations than it is. In yeah, the, it just uh, happens. But so, what about why? Why does the why does when rain comes it seems to just stay instead of some cultures some uh, geographical places the rain just kind of comes through and leaves and here it's like it gets stuck well particularly if you are near the blue ridge okay i'm asked all the time what's the blue ridge you know, oh the yeah the blue right. ridge <laughs> Here's my fun way of describing it. Imagine yourself in the in the uh, 1600s traveling uh, west, and you're trying to get away from people. Okay, and you're moving westward, and you're trying to get as far away from civilization as possible. All right, <laughs> yeah. you were already pretty far by the time you got to Western North Carolina, and you got to Wilkesboro, and you looked ahead, and you're trying to go west, and that's that thing you saw up there where you said, oh, crap, that's the Blue Ridge, <laughs> okay? Because right. it, is, it is a, in our part of the, of, of the world, it's a roughly 2,000-foot climb to okay. get from the bottom of it to the, to the top. Okay. And that is, now, I know there are foothills and there are yeah. lines of mountains, you know, like the yeah, Brushy yeah. Mountains that are in the foothills, but that... 
that feature runs from North Georgia, and I think I can trace it well into Pennsylvania, you know, now whether or not you can really draw that line, I don't know. It gets, and there are places like um, uh, when I ran the Blue Ridge Parkway, you know, the lowest point is the James River, and so you got the James River kind of flowing through it. So it gets kind of low, but pretty quickly, mm. we were at uh, Orchard Mountain, uh, you know, made a big climb immediately, mm -hmm. and the Roanoke River passes through it. So. You have lower places, but you can basically trace that Blue Ridge from North Georgia all the way up at least into through Virginia, and I think I think it's safe to say in, into Pennsylvania. And um, that that is the most important geographic barrier mm -hmm. in the southeast. So our precipitation tends to come on a southerly flow or southeasterly flow out of the Gulf or the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. All right, it might be a front coming, but there's going to be a southerly flow in front of it. And um, if there's a southerly flow, if you can imagine this, that's got it. That air has to be lifted 2,000 feet uh -huh. up over these mountains. Well, you do that, you get it compresses the air. There okay. we are back to pressure. And, um, and you're also running into cooler air uh -huh. as you get up there. So um, the, the combination of that compression, the Bernoulli effect. I don't know that And, it, you know, if you're an aviator, you know, okay. what the, that's what makes airplanes fly. Oh, oh okay, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. The low pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you you create higher pressure under the wing of the airplane, right. and lower pressure above it, and that's what lifts the airplane. Well, you're here. You're 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 adding, forcing air up yeah. this slope. The net effect is more rain. Okay, so if you look at average rainfall uh, across the region. I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head, but if you live, say, in Blowing Rock or Roaring Gap, mm -hmm. you know, or anything in between Little Switzerland, the amount of rainfall per year is at least 20, if not 30 inches greater than the other side of the mountains, yeah. you know, say over into Tennessee or southwest, southwest Virginia because you've got all that moist air out of the Gulf and Atlantic being lifted up mm -hmm. and it, it, it gets dumped as rain. So like we, <laughs> when we have a tropical system, yeah, you know, sure. that's where it shows up very clearly. And wow. um, so, so we live basically in a tropical rainforest and yeah. if, if we live on the east side of the mountains. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting place with weather. You picked a good place to do this, I think. Well, and and it's also a place, you mentioned this earlier, where people, do, we want to be outside. Uh -huh. I mean, four seasons, we're outside. In yeah. the wintertime, people are skiing, yeah, yeah. Snor snowboarding, cross-country yeah. skiing, so we want to ice know. climbing. Yeah. And, you know, but if it's summertime, um, I mean, People are wanting to be out playing golf, playing tennis, hiking, yeah. rock climbing. 
They need to be outside. So and a lot of businesses, you know, that's when have, they function. Is that's that right. half of the Rafting, year? Rafting, canoeing, mm -hmm. fishing, landscaping, yeah. all of that. So um, we we are more dependent on weather probably than yeah. just the average place out there. I think so too. I mean, I'd, I'm sure like uh, weather, no matter where you are, it's a factor. But if you're in if you're in a place that it's roughly the same all year round, it's like, yeah, your business just is what it is all year round outside. Kind of like Bob Lovertini going to yeah. Los Angeles and there's just yeah. no, that, in fact, I'm asked sometimes, where is the most same weather year round? What, you know, like somebody have a medical Was condition. Was it like that Hawaii? Gets That's going to be my guess. Actually, Hawaii gets quite a bit of change. San Diego is the answer to that question. Okay, yeah. It has the most flat, least change of weather. So the meteorologist there the country. rolls out of bed five minutes before and goes, going to be 78, sunny. See you guys tomorrow. Cop, pretty much copycat, <laughs> you know, just copy and paste day after day. Yeah, yeah. Day. Oh. So. And as opposed to in Boone, at the feed store, you could be like, yeah, heard it might rain this week, and you're probably right. That, <laughs> I heard right. it might rain this week is a pretty solid Boone, <laughs> Boone sta statement. Yeah, that, yeah. That, if, it, if you're covering a whole week, it's like, that's a really good guess. It that, might rain this week. It is. There's a good chance <laughs> there, most any week, even though... Have we had rain in the last week? No, no we it's have, been a good run. I mean, I love rain. Track. I know the earth needs it, but oh man, I love it when there's a bit of a break for a week. Well, one of the things that happens with tropical systems when they came through, so when we've yeah. had two tropical systems come through, they they tend to squeeze everything out yeah. and uh, leave us with nice weather in re response. Well, in a minute, I want to get into how people can connect more with race weather if they okay. can. But I guess the question that you get probably this time of year every time is, I know it's too early to really guess, but how are we looking? How, what's, what's winter, winter looking, looking like? Winter looking like? <laughs> yeah. I, so I've, we've been so wrapped up in the tropical season. It's been an yeah. active one. And um, we've got Merle Fest, which uh, we, we work with a lot, happening in the fall this year yeah, yeah. and and other things that we tend to do in the fall. We produce a calendar every year uh -huh. and it's it will be printed and arriving in Boone on the 24th of this month. Oh, that great. takes a ton of our time. Yeah. So to be honest, I don't even think about the winter forecast until we get to to the Woolly Worm Festival time, so which is a month is, from now-ish, yeah, so six weeks. So. In in usually the second or third week of October. So okay. When October one comes, I'll start taking the deeper dive. But I, I mean, I, it's pretty obvious. I mean, right now we're going into a La Nina pattern, which is what we were in La Nina last year. And it kind of relaxed a little bit. We're headed back into a La Nina pattern uh, for the snow lovers. I, I'll hate to tell you that's the least snowy pattern. And okay. we don't have time to talk about El Nino yeah. and La Nina. Okay, okay. And, and why what's going on in the equatorial Pacific has okay. impact on Unreal. North Carolina. This, but it, this but it place does. is so it's, It is a global thing. All right. Well, so that means if, if someone wants to, and now we'll connect with the website now, if maybe 
second or third weeks, mid to late October, go to raiseweather.com and you'll have, what do you call it again? The weather predictor? Oh. Uh, the, the fearless. It, this is stolen from Bob Lovertini. Oh, I have never that? said this publicly before. <laughs> His, that little snow forecast yeah. that he did that we would hand out at yeah, the yeah. grocery store was called Bob Lovertini's Fearless Winter Forecast. So yeah. I, I've stolen yeah. that. So we call it Ray's Fearless and, Winter And there'll forecast. be a link specifically for that or for a section that. on the website. We won't let you miss it. If you right. get to raise weather, we won't let you miss the winter forecast. Right. So people can go to raiseweather.com, but I know you have other sites that are still all connected with the bigger so site. So when we go into a new place, we want to brand it locally. Yeah, so there's boonweather.com, be but there's so dozens weather, of other ones, right? Averyweather.com, ashfulweather.com, ashweather.com. Yeah, for Ash County. Yeah. Galaxweather.com, yeah. you know. All of these places we're in have their own local branding and their own local site. Ray's Weather become, umbrella became kind all. of the umbrella for So if that. you're listening and you don't live in Boone and you live somewhere else in the region or interested in that, you can just go to raiseweather.com and you'll have links to all the That's other right. affiliates. And what will they find on raiseweather.com other than just saying the generic word weather? What's so they find current weather data from all these weather stations, webcams, and yep. keep in mind that equipment goes up and down. Sure. We're at, I've got $1,000 worth of parts in here to go put in weather stations in the next Do you still month. buy them at the same seafood place? <laughs> no, but it, we are still using the same brand of weather That's stations. Awesome. Um uh, we we use Davis Instruments Weather Stations, and that was the brand of the very first that? one. It's a good company. It's out in California. They try their best to use American-made, uh, you know, and, of course, what's American-made anymore? It's hard to know. Uh -huh. But they uh -huh. assemble, they still assemble the weather stations in the U.S., and uh, it's in California. And um, um, so we still use that. But we have weather stations, webcams. We do have some live streaming webcams that are out there. The, believe it, there's our forecast, which is the time-intensive piece of our day, mm -hmm. um, that producing that, which really does go through human brain. So much forecasting that you see on the internet out there never Algorithm. passes yeah. through a human brain. Uh -huh. And maybe someday it'll get down. You know, if you lived in Iowa, that probably works okay. <laughs> it's flat. There's yeah, not yeah. a lot of, you know, nuances to this, that, or something else. Uh -huh. But it's still, it, it's getting better. Uh -huh. and, and we use automation, you know, in, in the data we use. Sure. But... Um, the forecast, believe it or not, the second most popular page okay. on Ray's Weather is our photo of the day. So there, there's the photo of the day, and that's kind of how the calendar came about. Yeah. So we, we do a photo contest in the summer, and we pick the winners out of that and produce the calendar. We have a web store out there. We have climate data, if you want to know on any given day for the last uh, 15 years, what, yeah. what's there. Averages of things. Now, what's on the web store? The Right now, we used to have more products, but uh, over time, we'll, we'll do more there. But the 
really all that's on the web store right now is calendars. And, oh, okay. Uh, but it historically, would it be mugs? We and had mugs. Stuff like it, that, okay. When, when, when I got busy doing some other things, that kind of just had Dropped to take out, a yeah. back seat. And um, so now that I'm not teaching full time, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll try to. They I mean, the mug has always been popular. And, yeah. All I have to do is <coughs> order them and get them in Boone and they sell. Yeah, yeah. Um, t-shirts, we, we've used for years. We had t-shirts. I don't really have any inventory right now. Um, I have an idea. It you takes know those, time to do this. Have you stuff. seen mugs that change color with heat in it? Yes. What if uh, what if the snowman had clothes on and then when it got I think we've colder, actually his... had some mugs that change color when you when you. Um, what if he was wearing clothes it? when it was colder and then the hot coffee made him st strip down or, <laughs> or melt? Anyway, melt that's probably way too complicated. <laughs> But yeah, we have we have seen those, and we've kind of dabbled in those. We had we had things that some people called rulers, but they're not rulers. They're official snow measuring instruments. Uh, okay. Um, we sold weather radios for a while. We we sold weather stations. Um, yeah. So you know that is something that over the next year or so it, we've got to get a lot of weather stations repaired. Yeah. We've got to get our app back and repaired and functional. The the mobile app that we've we had for years and we that just kind of had to take a back seat for a little while mm -hmm. and we're getting that back. Mm -hmm. And and we just need to um, we've got a lot of technology we need to invest in here mm -hmm. in the next little bit. So. A little bit at a time. We'll just priority yeah. uh, wise pick yeah, off something cool. and, and go next. But, but now, one of the main questions I get that can be answered online, okay, is I will get a call from a future bride. Uh -huh. Is how this nor scenario uh -huh. normally I've been goes. part of these. And the question comes in the form of. Ray, what's the weather going to be on June the 17th, 2022? Yeah, is it going to rain at my wedding? That's it. Now, I understand that they don't really think that I know what the weather is going to be on June but they 17th, want 2022. you to give some sort of leaning one way or the other. So there's a place <laughs> out there. There's a daily. So you can put in June 17th and pick Boone or Hickory yeah. or whatever place, and it will show you the last 50 years what's happened on that date. So the chances, and then do the some averages, it, and yeah. you can kind of come up with a decent idea. Of what yeah, if you're like, if, if if only 11 percent of June 17th it rains versus 70 percent of June 23rd, then maybe. But no promises from Ray. But <laughs> you can at least see what yeah. the climate would suggest. Yeah, yeah. Climate data suggest is going to happen so that's out there i can't you, tell you, you how can... many times i mean we should probably wrap this up but how many times i've been a part of weddings where and really not just weddings but events where even though there's science behind it there's a thought of like but it probably won't rain because it's my special day and it's like you're like the universe knows that you are special so it will change what would happen 
There's some folks out there that can tell you that it doesn't work. I get asked the question on outdoor events of yeah. all types, particularly weddings, and I just always have a backup plan. You've yeah, or got to have a backup Or it's plan. no, uh, Uncle, Uncle Steve's knee isn't acting up, so it's not going to rain. <laughs> it's like, I mean, there might, that might be more scientific than the, than the emotional part of it. But One of the things that I have appreciated over time is how some of the some of those not all of those yeah. but some of those have some real science, science There's behind maybe pressure it, and you know yeah like, like the old thing um, you know it's too cold to snow well that's not technically true it never gets too cold to snow but if you have a big bully high pressure and it comes out of Canada uh -huh. and it pushes the front way far south and all of a sudden now you've got clear skies Cleared and out because of the, yeah. seven degrees is a high temperature. It doesn't mean it can't snow. But the it pushed out are, the, it, the stuff that was going to make it snow. Air and, yeah, yeah. and the high pressure has dominated it. And so, I mean, so in the, it's not technically true, but there is some, yeah, some right. science behind it. That's so good. So go to raiseweather.com for get yourself a calendar that's cut this year's coming out here soon. Fearless weather forecast coming out in the next six weeks to two months from now, something like that. Late October ish, right? Yeah. Mid mid October. Mid October. Uh, photo of the day. And then you'll be able to see the snowman, golf ball, short description, and then scroll down for a few a paragraphs bigger, of yeah. Maybe more of an explanation. Find out if you're what your big and we day try to entails. have fun with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a fun website. I, I yeah. visited one time the National Weather Service office and um, um, in Greer, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. I have a good relationship with those folks mm -hmm. in Greer and Blacksburg. Mm -hmm. And um, I, they asked me to speak, and I was talking with them. Tell us about this raised weather thing, and what are uh -huh. you doing? And I said, we I just try to have fun with it. Like, yeah. I wonder if y'all will, I wrote in a weather forecast the other day that computer guidance was coming to a big snowstorm like flies to a cow pile. Cow pile. Mm -hmm. I said, why don't you try to put that in your National Weather Service forecast someday? And he yeah. goes, I will on my last day. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so we do try to have fun with the descriptions and, and do something a little more fun than just the average forecast. Yeah, I think it works. Thanks again for those of you that support the podcast. If you are interested in becoming a patron of the podcast, you can just give $1 a month or $5 a month and know that you are helping to make this possible as well as helping to, me to make more video teaching shorts. If you want to be a part of that, give a dollar, give $5 or whatever it is, you can go to patreon.com slash things about things. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash things about things.